0: Shut up! Shut the fuck You're up! All right to take shut, up will you? shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut Shut up! Shut up! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another season of the Happy Amblin Retrospective, the Steven Spielberg, Adam Sandler Retrospective Podcast, where we talk about all the films directed by Steven Spielberg, some that he might have had an extra hand in, and Adam Sandler's starring roles, and probably some other weird stuff along the way it's been a while since we did this show i guess this is technically like season two of the series season two season 2.5 um it'll all be on the same playlist it's just easier for my brain to recognize that i'm your host diego crespo with me today is my co-host macaringo
1: hey that's me it was my idea for this terrible series
0: (laughs) but you know what no it is it is a good series and uh, there there's a lot to talk about with the two epi- or two films we're here to talk about today on on the episode and uh, we should also mention some reasons maybe we we didn't initially go directly back into this retrospective. Um, but the film we're here to talk about today, or the films, I should say, because we're yeah. Be here, double... here's the thing:
1: we're already struggling because we've changed the format. Yeah. If you haven't already noticed.
0: Yeah, we're 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 double dipping. We're doing double features on on these podcasts, at least for for the foreseeable future. For Happy Emblem, uh, today's films are Punch Drunk Love, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Color Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg. I don't even know how to begin, besides <laughs> besides, we'll probably talk about The Color Purple first.
1: Well, the two least qualified people on the internet are going to discuss these films today.
0: <laughs> well, you talk about least qualified people talking about it. Would you say these were the least qualified people to make these films? Um... No. Okay. Uh,
1: not at all, but, uh...
0: We're yeah, just going to jump even, into it. Just I don't even
1: fucking know where to start. Other than that, these are, in contrast, these are two very interesting films, um, which is why I, we were supposed to do The Goonies, but we're going to save that for next week.
0: Along with Eight Crazy Nights, just for the record. Oh, that's,
1: that's another good double feature. Yeah,
0: see, the double feature stuff worked out. It's, it's just, it's a cosmic gumbo yeah interconnectivity
1: diego made this joke before we started
0: recording yeah i really Um, like i think you should leave (laughs) everyone should watch it on netflix but what i
1: was saying is um it would be bad if we were here to talk about uh eight crazy nights and the colored purple
0: (laughs) i think that would be
1: uh, which is what would have happened if we had stuck to doing
0: the goonies today yeah thanks for saving that one yeah, I think
1: I think it was one of these where we kind of have to do these two together. Now, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it's like we're going to be doing like Schindler's List and you don't mess with the Zohan
0: together. <laughs> no. I could be wrong. Um, oh, no! Um, <laughs> <laughs> we might have to start breaking these up again at a certain Schindler's point. Schindler's
1: List might be a five-minute like, yep, Schindler's List, and then we just talk about you don't mess with the Zohan.
0: I guess spoilers for Schindler's List. Yeah.
1: Good. Wait, (laughs) spoilers for Schindler's List? (laughs) I don't want to spoil anyone, but there's this thing called the Holocaust. It was pretty bad, in case you weren't aware of it. I don't mean to spoil the outcome. (laughs) What are you talking
0: about? Well, um, (laughs) we're off to a great start. Spoilers for Pearl Harbor, but... (laughs) 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 Things don't work out. I see the sensitivity training paid off for both of us.
1: Oh, yeah. That's where that's why there's been such a gap. Yes.
0: Yes, of course. The two things. Um, so naturally, we should talk about the color purple first.
1: Yeah, the color purple.
0: Directed um, by Steven Spielberg. Matt, do you remember the first time you saw the color purple?
1: I saw the color purple like 15 years ago and then never watched it again. Hmm. And I can't really remember the context other than I was probably like, Oh, a Spielberg movie I haven't seen. And I watched it. I remember all the big moments that people remember. And then I didn't really think about it for a long time. <laughs> and then it uh, came time to do it for the show. And I was like, okay, I should rewatch it. <laughs> and then I rewatched it. And what so, did you think? Um, this is a tough one, honestly. Like, here's you- the... I think I, I'm going to say it's a good movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's a lot of good in it. Now, I don't know enough to say I did not read. I, if I was a better person at this show, I would have read the novel <laughs> at some point, but I have not. So uh, I can't talk about it as an adaptation. Um, but I think it's a fine movie. And I think what saves it for me, is that there's some really terrific performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is this a story that Steven Spielberg should have told? <laughs> I think we will try to figure that out while recording.
0: Yeah, Um also, just because this episode is kind of a mess, I'll, we'll be explaining our approach to these episodes uh, as we continue because we will also be figuring it out as we continue. But yeah. we'll, we'll talk about a Steven Spielberg film first today and then Adam Sandler. And then the following week, it'll be Adam Sandler film and then Steven Spielberg film.
1: They yeah. don't need to know that.
0: Yeah, just, I just don't know. People, what want are you to doing? <laughs> there are some people that listen to this. Ah. <laughs> All right, so The Color Purple, rewatching it. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a disaster.
1: Nah, okay. I
0: I was shocked at how like saccharin and like
1: that's the thing, like, awful yeah.
0: that for at least that first half hour, I, I was just gobsmacked with like the lack of connectivity between the filmmaker and the material. Mm. It it felt like someone trying to make a Steven Spielberg film with incredibly wrong material
1: now i have to disagree a little okay. bit a little bit i think spielberg shows up and does his job i think spielberg does a lot of great directing in this movie oh I no this he... is i think this is still like spielberg 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 in like that 80s pocket where he's just like hitting out of the park it's like almost looks effortless his direction I just think it's in direct contrast with the material we're
0: dealing with. I, I agree with that. But the first half hour or so, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to shoot to the bottom of his list for me. It almost feels like a fucking joke. Yeah. Like
1: where um, if you were watching one of those movies, that's like a satire of Hollywood. Like this would be like a clip they show.
0: This is uh this is one of those fake movies from like Thirty Rock or yeah, uh, a little bit. Uh, a Tropic Thunder, at least the first half hour. Now I Tracy, will say, it's me,
1: Harriet Tubman. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the film, as it progresses, gets much better. Um, and I want to say because the, the the first like half hour is like predominantly about the the child actresses, and they're they're mm-hmm. not the problem. They're good.
1: I think all around, I think the thing, like I said, the thing that saves this movie is that this is one of the, like the most stacked casts in movie history Mm -hmm. in terms of just everyone, like given a plus performances, there isn't a weak performance in the bunch. I don't think.
0: Everyone gives a plus performances. Whoopi Goldberg is like, she's above the clouds. She is like in the stratosphere. She gives an like one of the best performances you'll ever see on film.
1: (laughs) And I think, I think when she enters is kind of when I like, Got more into it you oh, know totally totally not as a diss to the younger actresses just that once there's and then like oprah shows up and i honestly wasn't sure i was gonna feel about oprah because i just know her as oprah winfrey yeah you know? and goddamn, she's good in this she's
0: she's and, so good and like yeah I, I think everyone has like mixed feelings about oprah like now but like yeah as an actress like oh shit she can like i forgot she could like do this mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like Whoa, I hope I I kinda wanna see her do stuff like this again or like just act again.
1: Yeah, every now and then she pops up in something like uh she was in Selma, right? Yeah. Like a small role in Selma. But yeah, she just I don't know. I guess she's just making too much fucking money. Yeah. she's like one of the richest people on earth. So why would she bother? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 just so, it's crazy. This is his fault, the fucking Temple of Doom, right?
0: Like, oh my God. Yeah, that's yeah. bizarre.
1: It's, well, it's it's like, I get it. Spielberg wants to show that he can do a little more. And everyone's at this point is telling Spielberg he's got to grow up. Even E.T., which like E.T. is like a masterpiece. But people looked at that and were like, eh, it's still Spielberg doing kiddie shit. And... So it's like, all right, I'm going to make my first adult film, which I guess he, he was the one that was approached by Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones like picks Spielberg to be like, I want you to direct this, which is like, all right. And <laughs> he's like, okay, so my first like really adult film, arguably is going to deal with like domestic violence and like sexual assault and racism. And it's going to be about the plate. Of of black women. And like it's such what an odd choice,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I don't know, man. Um, mm-hmm. I will say when the film like has its moments, like it, it is totally some of Spielberg's like strongest work up to that yeah. point. Um, there there are individual like sections. This isn't really a film you could like kind of break down, I guess. Like,
1: yeah, we're not going to go through know. the plot of this movie. Just cause. yeah,
0: just, just a heads up. Uh, it's it's also just like a very heavy film, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and like the the emotional triumphs in the back half of the film are like really powerful, and I I was very moved by the end. Like I was talking shit. Yeah, you like how I thought it was so awful at the beginning. Like I went through every emotion in reaction to like every possible varying quality a movie can offer in this one movie
1: yeah over get the, the course end of two of it, and a half hours then you get like emotional towards the end and then you're like god damn it how did this fucking movie get to me you know yeah and that's just why it's like i gotta give it something where it's like there's a little more to it that i can't just dismiss it but like on paper it's like no this is a mistake
0: <laughs> yeah you know like i think of uh Martin Scorsese's next film, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I'm sure that's gonna be an incredible work of art. There is definitely merit to the discussion regarding indigenous people who are like, but is Scorsese the guy to tell this story? Yeah. I get that completely. Um, I believe that will be a better film than The Color Purple, but it's worth thinking about how that's still like a prevalent problem in yeah. movie making for some reason we just can't can't quite figure it out i guess mm-hmm. i guess we figured it out it's just no one wants to fix it
1: yeah that's the thing we know what the fucking problem is it's just we're not uh you know eh, i don't know it's it's uh it's, it's the industry's terrible i guess is it's, the yeah. short version of it and there should be more voices and there just aren't and you know at this time if you want this movie to be a hit and get nominated for Oscars, you probably got to get Spielberg, you know?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, does that make it a good adaptation? I don't know. But also this is famous for, it's the weird thing where like this movie, you know, before the Oscars, the movie was kind of getting blasted by certain critics being like, Spielberg shouldn't have told this story. He knew to do the novel. Um, It was out of place. It's like, it's too, you know, schmaltzy in the way Spielberg films are. And then after the movie gets it nominated for like 11 Oscars and won zero, then the conversation turned into the Academy's racist, which it's like, this is kind of like, you can't like, there was no way to win with this movie in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which is kind of a shame, but it is ridiculous that it fucking didn't win anything, you know, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, significantly just... worst films have, have won Oscars, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like
1: what won that year? Was it like out of Africa?
0: I actually, don't
1: like, know, Let to see. Uh, put, I'll just look at Out of Africa. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, Sydney Pollack's Out of Africa,
0: and which is like I'm well, listening. it won best uh, best picture though. Didn't, oh no, <laughs> no, I'm no. Excuse me, I was looking at the, <laughs> oh, what the fuck? <laughs> it No. Like, what the
1: f- yeah, it got shut out. That was the the mm-hmm. whole story with that year. Was that the Color Purple got shut out? Um, and I think it just speaks to you know. Even now, but especially at that time, there weren't a lot of, you know, different voices as part of the academy. It was a very white organization.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think now it's, like, bumped up to, like, 11% finally, and everyone's like, we did it. We did it. And then actual, like, people of color are like, well, not not really. Like, calm
1: down. But that's white America in a nutshell. We improve problems we caused a little bit. And then go, we did it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, not really. And then we're like, all right, our work here is done. Happy Labor Day, by the way.
0: Yeah. Oh <laughs> God. Um, um yeah. I there I feel like I don't have that much to say about this film. Mm-hmm. But I I do I did admire it by the end. But like that first half hour just like just just depleted my expectations for it. I was in awe of how little <laughs> I enjoyed from that.
1: I think most movies from the 80s that were like studio films haven't aged super well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think a lot of it's just the way we made movies then. And I think you can feel a lot of that bleed over in this. We're just like, this is... There's a lot of ways to tell this story. And... Yeah, I don't know, because it's weird. It's that weird thing of like Spielberg. I think gives certain scenes a lot of power, but then other times he's he's doing what he does best, and it's just like, no, this is the wrong time to do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's such a mixed bag. It's probably like the textbook definition of a mixed bag.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then for every like moment that gets like really schmaltzy, you know, like it might be weird to say, but like there's a moment with Danny Glover and a young girl early on. Where you know yeah. exactly where it's going and it's horrifying. I feel like the filmmaking is in contrast to the event. <laughs> you know, like I don't need it framed differently or anything like that, but I don't know. It made me uncomfortable, but in the way it was presented, not what it was presenting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also about... stuff where, like, uh when Sealy, the Whoopi Goldberg character, is going to. Slice Danny Glover's neck open in the, towards oh, yeah. the finale and it's like just racketing up the tension with the cutting back and forth her her image of like the letter she's gotten from her sisters in Africa and it's just like whoa that's Spielberg right there that was like really powerful yeah so I don't I don't know it's, it's a weird experience this movie mm-hmm.
1: it's a weird thing of Spielberg being like it's the kind of classic Spielberg thing where it's like people can get over anything
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like <laughs> there's a lot of that I got concerned about at the end. Well,
1: <laughs> I'm not totally sure if getting over it is ultimately what needs to happen, but yeah although there is a like the moment when he's thrown her out of the house really early on, that seemed like it's it just goes on for so long it's it, it it becomes brutal in a way that I'm not sure if it was the intention
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know I don't it's yeah yeah I don't know it's it's this is one where it's it's almost a mess, but I wouldn't I don't want to like this I don't want to dismiss it, you know,
0: yeah, um, there's something here like there's just too much talent on display at some point in the film or another to like toss the baby out with the bathwater,
1: yeah, you know? I just think it's just Spielberg he's he's tackling issues that he he just can't. Like, I'm not like, he's never, he hasn't shown since that he could tackle similar issues.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, even a... like
1: Schindler's List is, you know, however many years away, you know, within a decade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, but he's not really tackling the same stuff in Schindler's List. And going ahead is other movies that like deal with racism kind of head on. It's like Amistad, which no one likes. And then Lincoln, but Lincoln, like, is mainly focused on the the white characters in that yeah. instance. And so I don't know. Also, I haven't seen Empire of the Sun in Forever, so I don't know how that one stacks up as well. Yeah, we we will see. Um <laughs> uh, but I get it. it's just weird thing where like I didn't hate this movie, but it's just like one of the, it's just oh boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it's I mean, that really sums it up. It's just it's Spielberg kind of punching above his weight class when it comes to, like, real-life traumas and, like, problems. Yeah.
1: And yeah. so the thing where I, I don't want to come here and be, you know, when you any movie we've covered on here, you read what the critics were saying at the time, and even if we are ultimately agreeing with the critics, we're kind of like, well, that criticism doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I don't want to be the one here being like, yeah, Spielberg, he's stretching too far, which was, like, the complaint people made at the time. I want to be here and be like, no, Spielberg did a good job. I, mean, I, I think he did in a lot of places, but it's just, it's one of these ones where you had to get the whole movie right for it to work. And he, he gets, I would argue most of it right, but not enough.
0: Yeah, I, I would probably go about 50-50 honestly Mm -hmm. i because a lot of this did not work for me but then by the end again like i was saying like i got really swept up and like the emotional reconciliations and whether or not they were even like deserved. the fact that they could work is just like a testament to the talent in front and behind the camera um oh shout out to quincy jones as well who did the music for this
1: yeah the only time uh uh john williams no john williams at this point
0: yeah yeah Um, um Quincy Jones, legendary musician, maybe not his best work consistently through the film either. That one also feels a little mismatched well, to the end yeah. sometimes.
1: Well, that's it's that is kind of the classic Spielberg thing where the music kind of does a lot of the work and it's sometimes it's like it shouldn't be doing this work right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of that like swelling music and like oh, I, and it's like, wait, not this scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quincy, no. Remember when Quincy Jones says he knew who killed Kennedy?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking the best quote ever. <laughs>
1: Quincy Jones, that interview was incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I'm going to link that when I upload the episode because that's not a joke. Everyone. <laughs> we just stopped talking about that interview. And I don't know why, but it's the it was greatest hilarious. interview that anyone has ever had.
1: Quincy Jones was just not giving a shit. And then just changing the topic whenever he felt like it. Going like, I know who killed Kennedy, it was the mob. And then it's like, why do you know? He's like, we can't talk about this in public. <laughs> um, and then he said Marlon Brando would fuck a mailbox.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, everyone um, believed that one immediately though.
1: Yeah, it's still just like, <laughs> was just, why are we talking about this? <laughs> but God bless you, Quincy Jones. Yeah. Um
0: I, I don't know. I mean, like, Roger Ebert put this in his book of the great movies. And it was
1: his number one movie of that year. Yeah. He, he loved this movie. And I like, if you read his great movies review, he even has to start it being like, look, watching it 20 years later, I can see some of the flaws. <laughs> um, and he's like, but still, I bet mean, he kind of goes in on all the stuff he really likes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, um, I mean, Roger Ebert kind of liked everything. <laughs> Roderick, it's a weird duck but <laughs> yeah i uh, think where it's just it's it's when it's gonna be like it's for spielberg completists you know because you're gonna find a lot of great stuff here um there's some shots in this where it just shows like her quiet toil as like horrible shit is happening around here that's pretty incredible yeah and then there's scenes that are like, what are we supposed... Is this a good thing that's happening?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it gets... Also, then there's like, it it diverts into weird comedy shenanigans at odd times. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it keeps falling through the roof. And then it's like, this movie started off with incest. <laughs> it's, and I don't know. I'm not saying you can't do a movie with those two things. It's just, it's odd when it switches. And then like, it starts working when you just kind of ignore what it was trying to tackle earlier on. <laughs> I almost had to be like, like once Oprah shows up, it's like, it kind of becomes a different movie. And I started, when I started watching it that way, I'm like, oh, hey, this is pretty good. <laughs>
0: uh, I will say, because because Spielberg loves his, um, that low sun shot, you know? A lot of that. A lot of that. And the, the final like image the silhouettes passing by, and the sisters playing their, uh, their their patty cake again as they're reconnecting. I think that's like perfect. Mm. I I think the I I'm serious. I think the movie starts like at a like a one out of five, and then gradually works its way up to like a solid four. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a weird experience. It's but, a uh, hell of think you are I ride. think you're I think you're right. Uh, it's for Spielberg completionists. And uh, if you ever want to see some of the best performances you'll ever witness. Yeah, that's the
1: thing. It's just like, wow, everyone was all in on this fucking movie. And that's I I think it's a testament. Spielberg doesn't get enough credit as an actor's director. And he gets a lot of good performances out of people.
0: Yeah. And I think people severely underestimate now, or at least take for granted now, like how important it is to be able to direct actors. Like directing is more than just a visual thing. Spielberg can do pretty images all the live long day. He's also very good at blocking and placing of the camera around the sets, which is like really impressive in the house stuff here. Um, but like, I think of like, uh, In the Tall Grass, did you see that movie?
1: I did not, because you told okay. me it wasn't good.
0: It, no, it's really bad. But like that, Vincenzo Natali, I think is the director. And he's like a great image maker, but that man cannot direct actors to save his life, <laughs> and it sinks everything he does. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's it is just tragic. Which is why he's a great TV director, and I don't even mean that to be dismissive. But like, he had some of the best episodes of Hannibal. You know, like he can do it. It's just um, don't don't let him choose the actors.
1: You I think uh, our disregard for actors, directors? Has been impacted by any part by like our worship of directors that treat actors like dogs? I think
0: maybe that's part of it. Like, I think <laughs> someone yeah. like David Fincher, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Just, so, like even now, they're still not so much like on film Twitter at least, but like there are discussions about like, well, you know, Stanley Kubrick, he, he really had to get the performances out of those actors and like Shelley Duvall that way. And it's like, no. <laughs> Is no. anyone still
1: defending the Shelley Duvall thing though?
0: Like, maybe, maybe not as commonplace as it once was but um
1: well i think the thing was people used to go like yeah he, he terrified her to get her uh to act scared in the film and then people are like that's abuse everyone's like what <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what happened someone finally went like that's wrong yeah and where it was a thing that people used to brag about also it's like fucking trust your actors i don't fucking know yeah be like William Friedkin, like, pulling a gun on set to scare people. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus, Friedkin.
1: Slapping a priest in the face to get him to look upset.
0: Okay, but that one's kind of awesome. <laughs> no, mean, no, no, I'm just, that's, kidding, that's, just kidding. That's
1: fucking crazy. Like, no,
0: no, yeah. And, you know, I think I brought it before, too, but he... He was on the, the Mark Maron podcast and he was getting interviewed. And Mark Maron was like, oh, you know, but you did it for real back then, you know? And he was like, no, 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 I, that was wrong. It was my responsibility. I would not do it the same way now. And it's like, all right, at least it's growth, <laughs> you know? Yeah, good
1: job, Friedkin.
0: Yeah, fucking 40 years later or whatever. Now that you're fuck.
1: not making movies anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think he still wants to make like one or two more, but I don't think it's going to happen. No one's so. going to let him. Yeah.
1: Then he make some movie where he was like, here's a real exorcism. What? Like- <laughs> He did some documentary like a few years ago that was supposed to cover like a real exorcism, I think.
0: Oh, good lord!
1: And and it looked bad. Mm. <laughs> it was apparently bad, so I never saw it. Mm. Um, he did Bug. You ever see Bug?
0: Yeah, Bug fucking rules. Bug's
1: pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, everyone um, go watch Bug after you watch The Color Purple, if you're interested.
1: Or don't watch The Color Purple and just go watch Bug. Yeah. <laughs> or Killer Joe. There's a fun movie.
0: <laughs> yeah it's fun that's that's <sighs>
1: we'll
0: have a great time mm. um I, I don't know if I'd recommend the color purple actually yeah like I think I'd recommend it to like the, the boomers you know oh well, it's a total up like boomer alley yeah yeah because I remember hearing from like older relatives like oh the color purple so good you know and it's like thinking about who said that I'm like yeah that makes sense they would say that now <laughs> uh, but like it's not the worst thing it's not the best thing it's just an interesting the, part of history i guess i don't know i guess
1: here's the question for us as part of the series where does this rank in the spielberg films we've watched
0: Ooh. all right i was trying to softball it but this might be my least favorite of the spielberg mm. films we've seen so far all right but fuck 1941 just like doesn't work either.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would I think I would honestly have to put 1941 and the Sugarland Express below this. Whoa,
0: okay. Yeah. I really like Sugarland Express. I, I like Sugarland
1: Express, but it's also kind of like I don't know. That's like very early. I don't know. Sugarland Express is, I think, the opposite where I was enjoying most of that movie. And then I think the
0: ending doesn't really work. Okay. Well, I mean, it's the strength of like a a good ending. A good ending can save, like, a lot, you know? Yeah. So I get that. Um, yeah, okay, so, like, 1941 and Color Purple are kind of battling it out for the bottom spot, in my opinion.
1: Okay. Um, I would also probably put his segment from the Twilight Zone movie.
0: <sighs> no, Twilight Zone's the worst one. Never mind. <laughs> okay. o- only because, like, that movie, like, there's only two, like, good segments in it, and it's not from the heavy hitters in... So- like the, the the director billing.
1: So what I'm, so what you're saying, Diego, is that you think Temple of Doom is a better film than Color of Purple? <laughs> we should move on to, the, to Punch Drunk Club. So are you saying that you're okay? No. With... <laughs> I was I was trying to back you in the corner.
0: Yeah. You no. Know, nope. I'm con- consider me backed.
1: <laughs> you know, it's definitely a better one though. Uh, Poltergeist.
0: <laughs> Poltergeist. Even though he was just the writer and producer, and arguably. Not, yeah. The director, all of it. You know, what, since
1: we've started this, they've finally added like all the shit Spielberg wrote and like TV movies he did, which we will not be covering on this series.
0: Yeah, I know. What the fuck? It, I'm I'm considering like, some, someone important has listened to this show. That's my conspiracy theory.
1: And they're just trying to fuck with us.
0: Yeah. All right. Yep. Oh, Jeff, Jeffrey, Katzenberg. Yeah, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, Jeffrey Katzenberg. After the, the death of Quibby, he saw my Quibby joke tweets and was like, "I'm going to ruin this fucking guy's life."
1: Yeah, you know that Katzenberg. Oh, it's so depressing to just see under films produced, and it's untitled fifth Indiana Jones film. Mm. Yeah.
0: Let's hey, James Mangold, solid.
1: Yeah, I don't care.
0: I also don't care. Be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: It's amazing how bad a producer Spielberg is, especially when it comes to television.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. I don't um, I don't get it.
1: You know, maybe at a certain point we'll circle back around and cover some of these uh, other Spielberg things that we missed because at this point like Adam Sandler is getting way ahead in terms of his output.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: How else are we going to cover Hubie
0: Halloween? <laughs> criterion collection where are you at all right here's a fucking question for you <laughs> okay and then, we, then, we're, then we're moving on to no, no, no it's, it's the perfect transition
1: because here's the question because i'm not sure because i can't think of off the top of my head uh does adam sandler have more films in the criterion collection <laughs> than steven spielberg
0: oh my god he does
1: yeah, because I don't think there's any Spielberg film. No. In in the Criterion
0: Collection. Sugarland Express is like prime for Criterion Collection. That should be, yeah. That's like perfect for them. Everything else, I think, is too big. So they like universal or someone's got like their their hands all over it. They're not gonna lose like a Spielberg license. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. But that one, Sugarland Express, that makes sense. Um man, that's too bad. Not that even the Adam Sandler ones are.
1: Although I think not if, cared
0: for, you know, if
1: I remember correctly, like in the laserdisc days, Criterion put out a bunch of Spielberg films. In that oh, age really? when when no one gave a shit about home media, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think they did like a, I think they did like Close Encounters, so which makes sense. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so it's two zero in Sandler's favor. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of Adam Sandler, we should talk about Punch Drunk Love. Okay, so we, we took a quick little break in between uh, The Color Purple and now we're gonna talk about Punch Drunk Love. Uh, it's gonna be a little different. We, we had trouble recording it the first time. This is kind of a re-recording um, as we had trouble discussing certain issues uh for things that will become apparent as this podcast goes on but uh matt garingo let's talk about punch drunk love
1: yes also i'm, I'm probably gonna sound a lot naslier now because <laughs> i have a bit of a cold we're recording two weeks after we did uh the color purple part
0: don't have to tell them every detail. <laughs> yes we do why not because i i don't know who cares yeah i guess the people do deserve to know
1: no, don't deserve shit, but it's oh, funnier.
0: Okay. Punch <laughs> Drunk Love, the 2002 American romantic comedy drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, The Goose, Louise Guzman. The Goose is back. Yeah. And uh, Mary Lynn Rashgub, who has, quite frankly, never gotten her credit as a reliable actress ever. Uh, if you watch 24 like I do then you, you have a special place in your heart for Chloe. But uh, hey. everyone else, not so much. Is 24 a show that would be worth revisiting? Um, You mentioned watching the card counter recently, so I would say no for you. <laughs> Specifically for anyone who's seen the card counter, I would say no. Whoa, whoa. Everyone else might still have a shot that what does that mean <laughs> uh, well the card counter is about a guy who did torture yeah yeah i haven't even seen yeah. the movie and i know that yeah and justify the means no, oh. no.
1: <laughs> wasn't he wasn't jack Bauer's whole thing like the ticking clock like if i know there's a bomb in los angeles i gotta do whatever means necessary
0: yeah, stop it, Mister President. Be, I believe it's season seven that takes place in Washington D.C. where Jack Bauer is. The season opens with Jack Bauer on trial for war crimes, and they're like, or he's like, "Senators, if you expect me to apologize for everything I've done, I won't." And wow. then the day is about him like having to save everyone in the White House from a terror attack, and the senator that was like trying to crucify him publicly is like let me help you bauer and then it's like it's it's a lot wow i love it because it's trash but it is a lot
1: wow are are the people who created this show in prison yet
0: (laughs) (laughs) no they're rebooting dexter oh okay also they did homeland after
1: dexter is now gonna be like so pro cop
0: (laughs) um
1: Getting like, some
0: brief flashbacks to Dexter, which we're not here to talk about. I think it was always a little pro cop. No,
1: no, it's it was always kind of pro cop, but it's going to be now. It's like, you know what the solution to the police problem is? Just make serial killers cops. No.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay.
1: They're going to seek him out because crime has gotten so bad. That's what the new plot of Dexter will be. Jesus. That's my, that's my, that's my bet.
0: Would you say um, Barry Egan, played by Adam Sandler, as a Dexter villain? Um, are you
1: saying Barry Egan's pro torture? <laughs> no, whoa,
0: <laughs> not at all.
1: <laughs> hey, for anyone who's seen the Card Counter, I just got to throw this out there. <laughs> um, the the uh, the Abu Ghraib stuff is shot in a very specific way. Um, everyone knows what I'm talking about, which is probably a way of recreating like traumatic tunnel vision that kind of happens to people who maybe. Participated in the torture apparatus, Um, but it also looked a lot like the uh, dance off from the end of the Beastie Boys video "Fight for Your Right" revisited. (laughs) So that was all I thought about when watching scenes of horrible torture in Paul Schrader's *The Card Counter*.
0: Paul Schrader, what a guy!
1: What a what a what a guy! No problematic
0: stuff there. Please die soon before stuff comes out stop posting on facebook please
1: <laughs> hey his facebook posts are amazing mm, they're about 95
0: percent of them and the other five percent are a little too revealing yes is what i'll say
1: <laughs> yeah but i think uh paul schrader's filmography <laughs> is a little too revealing
0: <laughs> you didn't like hardcore hey What a weirdo. <laughs> I know. I know. Look Speaking up his like, weirdos.
1: You can find like most of his film reviews from like the 60s and 70s. Those are pretty revealing.
0: <laughs> well, older film critics were just like horny on Maine all the time, too. They were
1: horny on Maine and also
0: like deeply out of touch with race relations. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> just like, whoa. <laughs> so. uh Hey, <laughs> all right, punch drunk love, which punch is what we're love, actually your about.
1: Nothing problematic here. Um, uh, yeah, punch drunk love. Uh, the, the twist is Adam Sandler's in a real movie for once,
0: yeah, and he's really good. He's is really this good. the you know first what? great Adam Sandler performance? Um, no, Billy Madison. Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: like, I would look, say you... he's
0: good in in certain films. Before here's this.
1: the thing, like I've I'm the I'm the uh, Adam Sandler defender of the two. Ultimately, you know, uh, I like Adam Sandler movies occasionally. <laughs> which I, and I guess also I like before doing this, I was trying to like I should maybe do some research, which I never do, which is a problem. I used to, but then all the fucking libraries closed um and i i read uh like a breakdown of punch drunk love and it was so smarmy in like <laughs> i personally don't watch adam sandler films and it like really rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> and i just want to be like this is just an adam sandler character taken to his logical extreme you know this is this is Adam Sandler
0: in like the wedding singer but if we treated him more like a real person <laughs> see I was gonna say specifically because of the the anger stuff it, it's um happy Gilmore
1: happy Gilmore yeah where it's like happy Gilmore would be a fucked up dude
0: <laughs> yeah like it, it gets into like why is the Adam Sandler character so upset like there it understands that there's something wrong to an extent not not like in who they are as a person but something is wrong in their life you know yes and it doesn't absolve them of of their actions which the film (laughs) also gets into but um it it gets into the like the complicated nature of being human in a way which is like a a very profound statement i just made (laughs) but i think that's what the film's kind of about (laughs) but for like this one guy
1: yeah, this is one of those movies where you might learn a lot about yourself watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I told, I told this on the other recording, but I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, I have a friend who gets a real kick out of showing me movies they know I'll hate. So, like, they'll subject me to, like, Scary Movie 4 <laughs> or something like that.
0: Without their heads, they're powerless yeah that's scary movie three is oh boy they, they start kind of blend together at a certain and point
1: that one has is like okay <laughs> i'll
0: say oh that. that's the one okay
1: yeah that one's like okay and that is like the funniest line in that movie god damn i watched something recently where like it it had the same energy of without their heads they're powerless <laughs> and i can't remember what it was oh god um but yeah uh Fuck. Oh you know what it was Twilight part 2 It's Breaking Dawn part 2 <laughs> A lot of heads Get ripped off in that movie Not <laughs> their heads They're powerless um, So this friend Will basically Like force me to watch something I'm, I'm not gonna like And then like be like What the fuck why can you not like that man Like they I don't know if they're fucking with me Or whatever but they get a kick out of it so the trade-off one of those times is like, all right, I'll watch this movie, but then we're going to watch Punch Drunk Love afterwards. <laughs> and the person's like, oh, it's Sam Sandler. I'll watch it. And uh, we watched it. And I will say they liked it for like the first like 20 minutes of it, I'll say. And then I'm not saying they they like stopped liking the movie, but the movie deeply upset them. <laughs> oh, like, the anxiety-generating nature of the movie, like, got to them in a way that made them, like, genuinely upset. To the point where, like, I felt really bad showing it to them. Uh, it uh, too which, bad. which I wasn't really uh, expecting. Mm. <laughs> I, I expected a few reactions. I did not expect that one. Yeah.
0: Oh, I and guess also uh, uh, for people that haven't like, seen Punch Drunk Love it's good to note that it is very anxiety inducing.
1: What are you doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> Truly <laughs> <laughs> This is a, a very easily accessible film if you listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, and not not to hijack uh, talking time from you, but also like a lot of normal casual movie goers that I know like in real life that aren't on film Twitter and have other actual important things to do in their lives like everyone who's seen punch drunk love that i know of likes punch drunk love a lot they're like oh yeah that's the one time like i understand there was like in a good movie or something of that extent <laughs> you know like people like this movie it, it was a bomb when it came out so uh welcome back to the failed blockbusters but it hey. like it's a well-liked film and it's a well-respected film even to this day still so. which i yeah. just think is like interesting it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's a weird, like little movie in a way too.
1: I think it just took people a little while to get it. You know, mm-hmm. like when I mean like average people, um, which sounds yeah. a little condescending,
0: but yeah. well, no, no, uh, I, I think I, mean, when it can- I, I think I get what you're saying. And then it comes like out. Uncut the Gems middle, was Sanders... like a big hit too, and that's kind of on a similar wavelength, although it's like scuzzier, yeah. obviously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this comes out like in the middle of. Sandler still making movies like Little Mickey and Mr. Deeds, mm. which say what we will about them, but they like audiences kind of liked them for what they were, uh, which we maybe disagree. Although I kind of liked Little Mickey. <laughs> I, I
0: know. I know.
1: <laughs> um, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is like it didn't really make sense at the time. Maybe once we entered the like Sandler decline that came a little later. And people were like, "Man, Sandler used to like." Even people that like Adam Sandler movies kind of turned into like, "Man, Sandler used to be so fucking funny, man. What happened?" <laughs> and I think that's what led to this getting rediscovered a little bit. Uh, but yeah, at the time, it's uh, it's you know, it was unique for 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people really didn't like Adam, like like the intelligentsia did not like Adam Sandler at all. Um, and my elementary school librarian did not like Adam Sandler. Whoa! For some reason, she brought up a lot how much she didn't like Adam Sandler, <laughs> which is an odd thing to bring up to children a lot.
0: That 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 is like what? Why do you why do you put that on a child? <laughs> hey...
1: Although, you know, maybe you got to be kind of strange to
0: be an elementary school librarian, maybe. Well, I'm I'm thinking back to, like, my middle school librarian. and It's like, she was just kind of sheltered off in this little corner, like, yeah. by the auditorium with very little sunlight.
1: Huh. Yes. I wonder what she's doing.
0: <laughs> she was up there. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <Just> so yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know where that was that's, going. That's what...
1: That's what we—that's what we do on the show. We go on tangents. That's why people love us, right? Audience,
0: please Let's comment and subscribe. Comment, subscribe. Check out the live shows where I talk about Venom. For some reason,
1: <laughs> let there be carnage. That's—that's that's the title, right?
0: Yes, it's that's a in great the film. title.
1: They say it in the movie.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, five stars.
1: Andy Circus is like a secret crazy person. Oh yeah, I know he's a
0: maniac, <laughs> much like Barry Egan. No, like, no. I'm so. Hey, you know what? he could
1: have popped up in this Carnage. No, Andy Circus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carnage.
0: Punch drunk Carnage. <laughs> Andy Serkis is good. Andy Serkis is like a good actor too. That's what, yeah. that's what helps.
1: But this and- is like you know like yeah he's Gollum at around this time but this is also like around the era where he was still popping up in shit like 13 going on 30. <laughs> as like the boss. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like he totally could have had that character instead he like cornered the market on playing CGI characters.
0: Yeah what the fuck.
1: <laughs> and then he directed uh the other Jungle Book movie. It's called Mowgli, which is one of the darkest films I have ever seen. <laughs> Not just dark kids films; it is an insanely dark movie. And uh, I'm probably like the one guy that will defend it.
0: <laughs> you're you're gonna like the film he followed it up with. Him. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I'm looking. I want to see it. I'm looking right, forward right. to it. Um, hey, why did both uh, Jungle Book movies decide? To make uh Ka the snake female.
0: Subversion. I don't know. You know oh, what probably I some think biblical it is. shit.
1: No, you know what I think it is? What? Uh like Ka is like kind of like one of like the gay Disney villains, you know? Mm-hmm. Like kind of like gay coded Disney villains, and maybe they wanted to avoid that oh. <laughs> in both versions. Um which hey, there's nothing wrong with gay villains. Let's stop. Let's bring them back. I miss them. <laughs> now we got like boring ass villains in these cartoon movies.
0: No, the, the 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 new trend in the Disney stuff is that there's always a, a reveal. It's not really that yeah. character that's the main villain. It's this
1: character. Yeah, it was I, John something. <laughs> John Landis. I was- John Landis, the secret villain. <laughs> no one saw it coming. Who could have seen that coming?
0: <laughs> Moving on abruptly. You're um, telling
1: me, John Landis, <laughs>
0: <laughs> director, I'm of myself.
1: <laughs> director of the Stupids, director of Part of the reason why we're redoing this is because we wanted this to be a more sensitive episode. <laughs>
0: Well, here, let's talk about sensitivity. Because this I, I find this to be a very sensitive film, actually. Yes. You go first. <laughs> you fucking, no, you fuck you. You go first. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> All right, well, we opened the film with Adam Sandler just working away in the early hours of the day in a, in a bright royal blue suit. And I just really like that image. It looks like something... That he, that would be like in an, an Edward Hopper painting, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, the guy at the cafe and the the famous painting, whatever. I like that guy. Yeah, and no, um, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm just okay. I, I didn't hear anything yet. So that's why. How dare you insult my <laughs> intelligence? <laughs> you you know about other things. I just didn't know if you knew about that one thing. Um, I, I really like that you. image. And when I said earlier, like this kind of a weird little film, like it opens like you, you very think, strangely. Fuck, hey, hey. You think I don't know painters.
1: <laughs> Listen. Name. At, pick an era and I'll name any painter. <laughs> okay. Go.
0: No, we're, we're moving on. Go. I want to talk about the random piano. Pick an around.
1: era and name a painter.
0: Just just pick a century. Okay, fine. Uh, a 13th century.
1: Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the image of Barry Egan uh, in the corner. Is a great way to start the movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the lights in this movie are, uh, are both the lighting in this movie is both beautiful and also very aggressive at times.
0: <laughs> it is. I remember hearing it was shot like a Kubrick film. I think this is a little more vibrant than a Kubrick film. Mm-hmm. Not that Kubrick's films weren't ever lively, um, but the cinematography was done by Robert Ellswit. Who has worked with Paul Thomas Anderson on, I believe, every single one of his productions? Um, he's he works with people like George Clooney now. Also, Uh, yeah, he did Suburbicon. Yeah, everyone's favorite. Remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, he also shot Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. That's that's what if a nation went rogue? (laughs) Anyways, really good cinematographer. Um. I think this is my favorite of his work. I really like the lens flares. I like the the weird halation that happens in the, the early hours of the day with the sun going over the Valley Hills over there. And like, I recognize places like that where the film opens. Although I've never seen a piano fall out of a truck like that. So <laughs> or van, excuse me. That uh, car accident in the beginning is shocking every time. It, it, it's like, You you mentioned aggressive. That's a good way of putting that. It's like it really wakes you up because it's a nice, quiet little opening. And then
1: it does have that feeling of like if you've ever gone into like an office early or like a class, like you show up earlier than everyone. And Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like that cold morning, you know? Yeah. That whole shot and just where you're just by yourself and then fucking something happens. (laughs) Yeah. um it's kind of like that it's kind of like a tree falling in a forest i you know i had that happen to me where i was the only one in the middle of the woods and a tree fell right in front of me really yeah it's a weird moment i did not then pick up the tree and take it with me though
0: oh you should have
1: maybe i should made my life would be very different you never know maybe my funger
0: job thing
1: the business would have taken off
0: (laughs) oh yeah uh adam sandler sells (laughs) plungers novelty plungers why (laughs) why does he do
1: that well because don't we've all we've all thought our plungers should be more festive
0: that's what (laughs) southern california really needs festive plungers
1: feels like something someone in southern california would try though
0: you know what yeah
1: like it it just it feels like but yeah like who would want this
0: (laughs) do we do we want to break down this beat by beat i feel like we don't have to but we don't have to but there's stuff there's a lot in the beginning to talk about yeah i mean to be fair there's a lot to talk about through the whole film but i feel like we would be here for three hours and i i don't want to die (laughs) so
1: yeah yeah we'll try not to okay okay um but let's see where it all goes yeah barry egan is making flungers (laughs) with Luis Guzman. Luis Goose, the Goose.
0: Yeah. Is
1: a loyal co-worker. <laughs> and uh if there's one thing I think uh I'm going to ask Diego to go back and save from uh the first recording, it's the comment I made about Luis Guzman which we will put right here.
0: Yes, I remember. That was very yeah. funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which yeah like I said it's possibly the funniest thing in the movie
0: which I did not notice <laughs> <Tom>. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time <laughs> it's uh yeah
1: Um. also I think this is uh Guzman's first time with Sandler and he's gonna go on to be in at least one more Adam Sandler movie oh wait what which ones yeah um he's gonna be in Anger Management <laughs> right <laughs> he's he's on the he's on the team <laughs> he's on the he's part of the, the group um yeah looking at it i think that's the only uh oh no he's in the do-over
0: and one more after that oh
1: sandy wexler yep there's a movie that should have been fucking 30 minutes shorter
0: <laughs> okay see i haven't seen that one yet
1: i've seen it and it was one of those ones where everyone's like because we get that with sandler like oh sandler made a good movie actually and i was like okay i'll I'll watch it and i did and uh like literally once it hit the 90 minute mark i'm like i'm done with this (laughs) i was i was doing fine with it and then it was like oh no no (laughs) (laughs) no hey this is a 90 fucking minute movie basically
0: (laughs) 95 minutes including credits yeah Yeah, it's a very short film and it covers like Uh, a surprisingly like a lot of ground like emotionally is it pta's shortest film i think so like magnolia's like three hours yeah and he did that like right before this right
1: yeah i think it's that thing the only uh heart
0: eight heart eight's 102 minutes so wow oh yeah punch drunk loves the shortest then Let's talk about Barry Egan. So he's a guy who's prone to angry outbursts, frustrations. He's very shy and reserved, and we get a quick glimpse into his home life, or at least family life, with his seven sisters. Right?
1: Yes, it's seven sisters, mm-hmm. um, and he's very emasculated by them. Um, and uh, they're not great. <laughs> they're not awful. They could but be better. They could
0: definitely be better to him
1: it could be better at least the ones that call him initially
0: <laughs> yeah and then who, keep uh, calling him
1: to, yeah who uh, don't seem to let him get away with anything <laughs> <laughs> um i don't and, know if we've all i don't know if we've all had people in our life like that but i've certainly had people in my life where after a while i was like wait why am i letting them around <laughs>
0: It's it's a familiar feeling, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know how familiar, though. Is it like a universal thing?
0: It might be. If <laughs> okay. it, it might be. If this film is as accessible as it is, I think in some capacity, it has happened to everyone. Not like maybe mm-hmm. as consistently as Barry, but I think we've all come across it at least or had mm-hmm. an experience that helps us to understand what that feels like, you know? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a family relative. It could be like a, a boss, you know.
1: Or something. Oh, yeah. like
0: that. A teacher. Yeah, someone
1: in a position of, or a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. You kind of occasionally it's a it's a shame that there are some teachers whose things they said to me will stick in my brain for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, and they probably <laughs> don't even think about it twice. Yeah, they're probably dead. Yeah. They were all like 80 oh. and shouldn't have been teaching. That's what they get. Yeah. Yeah, long life. Oh, I, mean, I just met the death part. Yeah. Well, we all get death, Diego. Yeah, but they went down first.
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: I don't know. I'm trying to find a positive angle there.
1: Yeah, you died with America still on top. Are we, though?
0: <laughs> Are we? Well, no, really? they died.
1: If they died like three years ago, they at least were like, well, we'll come back. Mm. you are know, like you know uh sometimes i wonder when i you know we could talk about the obama years a lot and how they weren't as good as some people pretended they were but our culture at least had like this weird positivity going through it yeah you know um does anyone notice that that's not around anymore <laughs> Hmm. I wonder what that's about. And it seemed to disappear sometime five, six years ago.
0: Fun times we live in. You, you think people would at least pick up on that aspect? Speaking of not having positivity. um, No, There's, I, I have no segue to this, but
1: did you know audience? uh cinema score audiences gave this movie a D plus? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Very close to an F. This is almost uh one of the rare cinema F cinema score movies.
0: There's only like 15 or something like that, right? It's like 20 something. Yeah, it's I less than 30 correctly. for sure. Yeah. Mother got one of those. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes
1: perfect sense. And uh killing them softly. Which uh, makes a lot of sense.
0: That, yeah, yeah. It's a great film, but yeah,
1: great, great. There's a there's a few great movies that got Cinema Score F's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bug, William Friedkin's Bug. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> what a picture. Uh, uh, in the cut. In the cut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot Those of sense. In the cut. Yeah, fantastic movie. Uh, Definitely see why that happened though. I think Punch Drunk <laughs> Love would have scored better if it came out now, though. Now that, like, we know what Sandler's capable of and Paul Thomas Anderson is capable of, like, as a director. Maybe.
1: Maybe. I feel like there was a time where it could have gotten the F, though.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah.
1: I am honestly kind of surprised Uncut Gems did not get that. Like, Uncut Gems really felt like a movie that should have alienated general audiences.
0: Yeah and instead it was like have you seen it? <laughs> yeah it turned
1: of... into one of those. Mhm.
0: Mhm. It wasn't like a runaway hit but it was popular enough to the point where people were like, "Have you seen that new Adam Sandler movie?" Yeah. he's was like, "Serious?"
1: <laughs> it was also uh, um it's also a movie that when I bring up that I might rewatch it, my it's the only thing that my family has ever like reacted with concern about <laughs> in recent years. <laughs>
0: It's a fun movie to watch. They, re-watch. Don't, they don't
1: understand why anyone would ever want to watch that movie. Again. Um, and I guess some people feel that way about this movie. Uh, yeah. I think I think people relate. I think you know, like I relate to Barry Egan on like some level, but I think some people really relate to Barry Egan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this movie maybe hits a little too close to home.
0: I, I, we keep bringing up Uncut Gems, but like I find both these films, Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems, actually pretty rewatchable. For I guess similar reasons, you know, like there, there's a, there's a really fun rising tension throughout them all, and mm-hmm. they don't exactly have like a resounding catharsis by the end. It's just kind yeah. of like the end of this chapter of the story, <laughs> or that story i guess if we're yeah. talking about uncut like gems. even the
1: ending of this movie where you know uh true love is achieved it doesn't really feel like uh the end to the tension of Barry's
0: life no no yeah and I, I i don't think at least i don't feel maybe you feel differently but like i don't feel that it's um it's like an ambiguous ending i think it is like a a, a happy ending
1: No, no, yeah, I'm not saying it's ambiguous. Yeah, okay. Uh, Okay. Just that, like, Barry's maybe found someone who is willing to put up with some of his idiosyncrasies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I definitely relate to, though, I gotta say, uh, as someone with uh, certain levels of social anxiety, just how fucking bright the supermarket is in this movie.
0: Oh, you yeah, so are really walking like, like a
1: supermarket like s- super late and it's just like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like I get that all the time, and that's something that's it's it's like not I know not everyone has that experience, but I definitely have
0: it. But speaking of what a cool, cool bright little... lights, social anxiety and loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> um, something no one living right now can relate to. No, no, absolutely not. So you might be shocked when you see that an Adam Sandler character calls a phone sex line just to have someone to talk to because he's very lonely. Oh, that's a lonely with people do. though.
1: Shoot. Um, oh yeah, when he breaks the windows? Yeah, yeah. That's just I gotta just it's just like so everything about just the build-up to it is anxious. That's like I guess the first real outburst. Mm-hmm. Um, although he does break the supposedly unbreakable uh, funger. Uh, oh we like don't immediately. Know if... yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Which he uh, goes like, "Oh, this must be this must be one of the breakable ones." But it's also he was getting phone calls from his sister, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was uh, making things a little tense. Um. Yeah, I don't know, The, the, the way the,
0: that the movie kind of like plants little seeds like that, like you brought up the suit thing, but it constantly is doing that. It's like these small little builds with these like payoffs that you don't even realize might be payoffs to something else. You know? Yeah. Like payoffs, like events that you're, you're watching. Is it like constantly building tension? And I don't know of any other film where the phone sex line leads to a climactic cathartic confrontation with the antagonist. Played by Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: Or a scene where he beats four people with a tire iron.
0: <laughs> or that too, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is another thing that happens.
0: Yeah. Um. Have you ever called a phone sex? <laughs> no, actually I haven't. Okay. But I, I can understand why someone would, you know. Um. Maybe not no. nowadays, but beforehand. Before the power of the um, internet,
1: yeah, I guess that's I guess
0: that's a thing. I think um, you know, I mean, let's let's dissect that for a second. <laughs> we talk a lot about how internet and social media have kind of like shaped different kinds of relationships for people now, right? Mm-hmm. I think if Barry Egan had a Twitter account, one, it would be like unusable, but two, it w- it would have <laughs> helped him to like. You know, maybe exert some, some like pressures of his life. It wouldn't have made anything better, but I think it would have had like another outlet for that. And again, that's Perry not Egan, fixing any problems. I'm just saying, he would have had another avenue to explore.
1: No, nah, Perry Egan would have ended up listening to Joe Rogan and like <laughs> destroyed his relationship with everyone. He would have thought it made him better, but it would have made him worse.
0: He goes up Because he, he does have
1: that, uh, when he's, uh, when he's, uh, Talk when he goes on the first date with her. Um, he talks about uh DJ Justice, (laughs) the guy he listens to, where it was just like he really just cuts people down. (laughs) Um, so like Barry Egan's definitely like open to that kind of stuff, and I bet you like he would end up in the Joe Rogan orbit.
0: Oh, god, Um, he's like, You guys try out that ivermectin yet?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, Barry Egan, as a guy who could figure out the frequent flyer miles might've been someone who was smart enough to, I don't know, maybe check the ingredients of that stuff.
0: There you go. Maybe he gets dissuaded by the Joe Rogan type circles and then works his way out of it.
1: But you never know. But it's like, but Barry is also the guy who like the stuff he does, like it's, it's trying to keep himself a little grounded. So it like might not make sense to everyone, but it helps him feel Mm -hmm. a little calmer. And I think people like that are the ones who are susceptible to being like, "I'm not gonna trust medicine. Like I'm gonna do something that makes me comfortable." <laughs> oh god, this is a weird way to go with Barry Egan. That Just is one of the ways that a movie like this plays a little different twenty years later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, I had the phone sex line turns out to be like a major scam and then they start trying to blackmail them and yeah it's like you
1: hear the desperation in my voice because I I feel totally unqualified to talk about this movie
0: (laughs) yes I I think we both feel unqualified to talk about this it's just it's one of those things where
1: when when I like a movie it becomes a problem because I'm just like I could go into it and like I, I could break it down, but like, I feel like people who are like only interested in making movies would want to go like that deep on it. No, fuck and them. So what? If, yeah, but if they do, there are better resources. So like, why bother? <laughs> well, and, here, let's
0: just, let's, let's start highlighting just our favorite stuff and we'll, we'll power through to the end then. Cause I, I actually, I just wanted to say that like the, the way it's like anxiety just keeps building, like, This Mm -hmm. and Uncut Gems would make it, like, an amazing double feature, I bet. Where you just, like, end up with sweaty palms and your hair is all, like, greasy after and everything like that. Uh, Yeah. And, like, he just wants, like, some sort of human connection. He just can't get it from any of his normal outlets. And the one that he discovers, like, randomly on a whim turns out to be, like, a blackmailing operation. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, there's a real, like, dark comedy aspect to that.
1: I guess let's talk about Barry Egan a little more um, because we has the scene with Robert Smigel who shows up um, as his brother-in-law uh, which is also the thing of just like this is real. like I said like this is just an Adam this is an Adam Sandler movie it's not Paul Thomas Anderson trying to take Adam Sandler and putting him in a different type of dramedy you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's not something like Spanglish which will come up later Uh it's straight up an Adam Sandler film, and one of the ways you can tell is because fucking Robert Smigel's in it, who I believe has popped up in like half the Sandler films we talked about. <sighs> is that true?
0: Let wrong? me let me check. I, I think so. Um and he's he also will like he's continue been... popping up in them as well.
1: And he like ghostwrites a bunch of Sandler's films. Like, he does punch up on almost all of them. Uh, and I believe Jack and Jill was one of them.
0: That is correct.
1: Didn't he have that tweet where he talked about how he really enjoyed working with Al Pacino?
0: Oh, I don't know. I missed that one.
1: He, he, Robert Spiegel pointed the thing where it was like, Al Pacino showed up on set with new ideas every day.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, I mean, That's kind of what you want in a film like that, you know? If you're just making mm-hmm. some, like, low rent well not low rent that was a very expensive movie but like if you're just making something like with your friends like you want to have like a, a fun collaboration you know and mm. if you can collaborate with al pacino well you know why wouldn't you want that yeah didn't uh
1: didn't al pacino hate working with Soderbergh? oh i don't know i think Maybe. that was something i read once oh, okay That like he literally like i think he had to take oceans 13 for like the paycheck or something oh i think that's the story there Um, oh i don't know but who knows chino seems like a strange guy he looks like a rooster (laughs) i never thought of
0: that right
1: you know like yeah like 90s for chino yeah he's got the rooster look I'm looking at the poster for Righteous Kill and he kind of has the rooster look.
0: <laughs> oh, I think his character's name is Rooster in that. Oh, really? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Now, now we're going to go down a rabbit hole. You know what? I've never seen Righteous Kill. Uh, would be glad we're not doing an Al Pacino retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not good. It, it's a bummer that him and De Niro only have like two movies where they get to be on screen together that are actually great
1: you know it's a real bummer hmm. if you click on actors on letterbox they rank their movies by most popular mm-hmm. and if you click on robert de niro his top film is joker
0: that's depressing that's a real bummer um and yes al pacino's character in righteous kill his nickname is rooster hey so someone else clearly thought of that too i'm not that smart
1: are you saying you're the,
0: smarter than the writer of Righteous Kill? Oh, I'm 100% saying that. I've seen Righteous Kill.
1: I took fucking notes for this movie and I have them and it, they're just like of no help.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, here, what what is your favorite thing about this movie? Like, if so I you-
1: literally already talked about it the other oh. recording. <laughs> no joke, that's my favorite thing in the movie. Okay, okay. Well,
0: uh, the filmmaking then. What most impresses you? I'll guide you.
1: Um, well, I was I was talking like I said, like the lighting. Like I'm just I was super impressed with like the shifts in the lighting. Like when it's like super bright in certain like anxiety heavy moments, like when he's getting like whenever they open the big doors on his fucking stupid warehouse, <laughs> and the lasers coming in, it goes through the fungers. It's just it's like it can be really aggressive, and then like he goes into his office, and it's a little more, it's a little calmer, it's a little more muted um it's like weird we're like that image of loneliness of him just sitting in the desk in the corner is like you understand why he's there because it's more comforting than the bright lights constantly in his face
0: mm-hmm.
1: or then you get like these up uh, just the shots of his apartment of like uh like the the morning after he's uh called the the sex line and the sun's coming through the windows which is also like a weird indicator of like because he shuts the windows before calling um <laughs> The sex line because he's afraid someone will see him yeah (laughs) um but then at some point after he opened the windows again the sun's coming through but then you get the hallway of just you know no lights on because it's the middle of the day it's like just the weird isolating feeling that comes with a lot of it um that's always what like really gets me
0: yeah fucking i can probably
1: go into it more but it's you know yeah fucking robert uh, Ellsworth, Man. i will just because i'm just gonna say the lighting is good and i'm sure someone could
0: maybe explain why a little better than myself <laughs> uh emily watson as lena is like really good really okay. really good in this movie and you mentioned that you for for someone to basically put up and also fall in love with barry egan they kind of have to uh-huh. be a weirdo with their own quirks and sensibilities as well
1: well we didn't just say i didn't just say that because like we also made the connection that it's kind of true in the in any adam sandler film itself mm-hmm. um we we talked about little Nikki.
0: <laughs> that's right yeah
1: how they they do specifically characterize her as kind of like strange because like it would take that kind of person to fall in love with little Nikki. <sighs> and here um i think most people notice this uh with her in the background of the supermarket like out of focus you can't totally tell it's her but she does at one point also say that she was stalking him mm-hmm. like she's like oh i saw a picture of you and like i knew i had to like meet you and so like she had to initiate the relationship mm-hmm. and uh the fact that she's she starts seeing a lot of barry egan and still wants to initiate it uh, says a lot about her <laughs> <laughs> and i don't even say like that you know, Barry Egan is someone who doesn't deserve love because of his strangeness or that it's weird for someone to want to be with him. It's just, it says that the movie does the work to be like, look, there's stuff going on with her too that would make them compatible as opposed to like a a problem with the weaker Sandler films where there's fucking no reason for the love interest to like Sandler.
0: (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. I think maybe the worst offender of that might be Happy Gilmore in that's my memory up there that's really fucking like, up there yeah like it like she's like this career woman why the hell would she be interested in happy Gilmore
0: mm-hmm.
1: like what what was going on there
0: <laughs> um, yeah it's not a uh because those often come across as cynical too in the comedies with Adam Sandler you know like it's you don't feel good about like that romance and here mm-hmm. while well, the people are flawed. I think it's a very like empathetic story about people finding each other who they can be whole with and be themselves with like truly and find comfort in their own imperfections and everything that makes them human, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's very sweet. It's a very sweet film that also happens to have Adam Sandler fight people in the street with a crowbar. <laughs>
1: Yes. It has fungers.
0: And again, fungers, yeah. <laughs> and Luis Guzman helping his buddy out. <laughs> Why isn't Luis Guzman in every Adam Sandler film? I don't know. He does feel like
1: a guy who would slight, like, slide in perfectly. You know? Yeah. Um, Guzman, a Bernie Sanders supporter. Hell yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you know, he, uh, he does pop up in strange stuff. Uh, the goose. Uh, has he ever been a lead in a movie? I don't know. I don't think I feel so. like he's the type of guy who like there should be like one movie that no one saw where he was the lead. I don't even mean that as an insult. Like he might like he totally deserves to be a lead actor. Um, but I can't think of one.
0: Yeah, no. I don't I don't I don't think so, but he should be. He's still Not got a time. lead, but he,
1: he he's in the Taking poem One Two Three remake. Fuck yeah. And uh Weird watching his performance next to uh Travolta's performance in that movie.
0: Oh boy, is it. <laughs> what a picture.
1: Is that movie a prank on Travolta?
0: I don't know. I think it's genuinely good. But no, I like that movie. I I, I
1: like I like both uh 123 movies. Same, uh, same. Very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like both of them. And uh, but I think like because Travolta like thought he could do like crazy person for a little bit,
0: yeah, <laughs> like cra- yeah.
1: crazy badass, and he kind of can't. <laughs> if I can give my take on that movie, uh, but he is in in Taking of Pelham One Two Three. He's supposed to be like a finance guy who went to prison for like investor fraud, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he and he came out, and now he's like, all right, I'm gonna fucking do the perfect. Heist, which doesn't really make any sense when you really break it down. And I think the 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 gag of it, the g on the joint, is uh, this is what a like investment guy thinks a criminal is. (laughs) You like how investment like 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 bankers like if you see like those Wolf of Wall Street guys, they think they're like super badasses, but really they're number nerds, yeah, and they're just like overcompensating for (laughs) um a lot of issues they may have mm-hmm. and this is just like that Technological, where it's like okay like he went to prison he shaved his head got a goatee and now he talks like this <laughs> this is what he thinks like a badass is
0: i never thought about it that way but that makes performance more palatable and I, yeah. I, I like him in that movie because he's so weird but that that definitely contextualizes some stuff that i didn't realize needed to be contextualized
1: well it's like when you got him next to like schlubby Denzel Washington, which some people don't think Denzel can do the, the schlubby thing. I think he can do it really well.
0: Yeah. I, I think people don't know how actors work anymore.
1: <laughs> I think people who were introduced to Denzel Washington through training day can kind of only see training day, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I maybe you know, maybe I was just lucky in that I didn't watch uh training day until like way later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, it's uh it's just it's it's an odd performance when put up against the other performances in the film. Including Guzman, who is like a a former uh subway what what are they called? Captain, I don't even know, operator mm-hmm. um, who like was on drugs and killed a bunch of people.
0: <laughs> God, what a fucking movie.
1: That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I was saying that we're like uh, it was one of those things like I I can't say I don't want to be like I was on team Tony Scott before everyone because I really wasn't, but Tony Scott was one of those guys where I would see his movies only because nothing else was really playing at like a matinee with like my dad, and every time I'd be like, that was a great movie <laughs> like. <laughs>
0: You know, it was just like, wow, I'm glad I saw that. You know, like I've been tossing out this term a lot lately. I'm sure people have noticed it, but like when you watch something or someone and they're like, they're so good, they make it look easy, you know, like casually greatness, casual greatness. And Tony Scott, like excelled at that, even though his movies are not casually made, they're very Mm. hyper stylized and everything like that. But I think he was definitely taken for granted, you know? Yeah. Now we're going to we're going to miss that voice. It doesn't really mean there's are. not more interesting voices out there too. So, but just that one's will be missed for. Uh, Although
1: Tony ever. Scott is someone where people have like tried to imitate the Tony Scott style, and uh, I don't think anyone's... has anyone done it well, and has anyone done it in a way that doesn't annoy you?
0: <laughs> I like uh, Mission Impossible Three a lot, and that's just like J.J. Abrams being baby Tony Scott. Yeah. But with, like, his his uh plot mumbo-jumbo nonsense. That makes no sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that movie needs a, a, a good script.
0: Yeah. Well, like, the direction in that is, like, super energetic and super fun. And well, sometimes you know it messes uh, up Abrams, the stunts. But it looks really good.
1: Abrams is a solid director. I'm not, like, going to say great director. But, like, he can make a functioning movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think Rise of Skywalker has made us forget, like, that we really should kind of give more credit to force awakens being as good as it is. It really has no right to be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just, it comes down to the script sometimes. And, uh, he, boy, has he had some bad scripts? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's a, he's and, a but, solid you know, action director. Other,
1: yeah, sometimes other things can save a bad script though, like a good performance. And uh Mission Impossible 3 thankfully has fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Okay, so that's your segue back to this. I was gonna say, Yes, do you think Paul Thomas Anderson could have ever directed an action movie? I don't think he wants to. But... I don't think
1: he wants to, but uh you know
0: what? No. No. See, because I found yeah. the especially this last watch, the, the crowbar smashing stuff. Was like really uh. tense, and I thought like, oh, maybe this guy could do like, if he wanted to do like a Die Hard or something, you know? Like, here is the, I think, I think he could do it.
1: I think Paul Thomas Anderson could do a shootout, or because like you got you think of the scene in Boogie Nights,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like one of most tense scenes ever that then like explodes. Like he could definitely do a. I don't think he can do a movie that like hits action beats regularly okay i guess is uh the key difference there
0: all right all right oh yeah like inherent vice again not even really an action scene but there's like shooting and violence in that film yeah and it's and like the, and it's really very good sporadic very very minimal yeah it's kind of like you blink and it's over uh-huh and uh i find that sometimes
1: sometimes though you know i like i love action movies but i also i really love stuff like that where it's like kind of just a build-up to like one scene where people fire guns for like a half a second mm-hmm. um not enough of that on the screen these days
0: no and those are cheaper to make you think they'd be like you know filling up the the, the cineplexes
1: but no yeah but what are you gonna put in the trailer <sighs> Although fucking Inherent Vice has like one of the best trailers ever.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Did it bomb, though? Uh, yes, it did. That's too bad. That was a good trailer. Because
1: fucking of course it did. Yeah. Like, I guess. What, what was anyone
0: expecting? <laughs> well, because like half the people hate that movie and half the people love it.
1: Does it. Do people hate that movie? I haven't spoken to anyone. People,
0: some people hate that, fucking hate that movie. Not just on film Twitter. Some like, people like in the real world.
1: Okay, I get, I get real world, but I don't think film Twitter, anyone hates it.
0: No, there are definitely detractors. I
1: don't know. The only thing I see is people being like, hey, don't undervalue Inherit and Vice. And I'm like, who's
0: undervaluing it? <laughs> oh, they're out there. They're out there. And they're I guess, waiting.
1: but I, I, it's like Alien 3. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone's just, we're all at the same point where it's like, yeah, we all agree Alien 3 is good.
0: Again, like they're where, still like, detractors.
1: But like, yeah, but like in the real world, I think, but not like film Twitter world.
0: But there's still some, but I agree with your point. And I have definitely uh, left my take my foot off the gas and the alien three defense squad. <laughs> Everyone knows where I stand. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need to be tweeting about it all the time.
1: But I'm looking at like the people I know. On Twitter and like the lowest score for Alien 3 is 3 stars which is still good Yeah, you
0: know? still still too low for me but I get you I get well yeah me.
1: same I, w- I would agree but it's I, I'm just saying like it used to be like fuck Alien
0: 3 <laughs> yeah yeah like in the last like fucking 6 years 5 years maybe mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people have come around on it because of my recommendation which I'm very proud of Hey. Andy Andy Comer, if you're out there, you're welcome. If you're listening. You're welcome.
1: I think it's uh, I think it's how the producer cut too, has become, or the production, whatever the the assembly cut. Assembly cut, Yeah, uh, it's it's like a Blade Runner
0: type thing, where it's like the theatrical. It's like yeah, it's interesting, but not really good. And then you mm-hmm. see this full version, and it's like, whoa, where did this movie come from? It's like a whole other experience. Yeah, it's really
1: helped. Mm-hmm. It's really helped. I think the the next movie that needs to get that treatment which is already starting to get it but i don't think enough uh is uh exorcist three
0: yeah yeah it's, it's getting like there.
1: exorcist three it doesn't really have haters but it kind of doesn't it has people who are just like what do you mean Ex- exorcist three is good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: and i feel like there's fucking film twitter is going to redeem exorcist two before exorcist three totally if that
0: happens everyone's dead to me
1: I, there's been a lot of Exorcist two talk this year.
0: There has been, but I haven't seen anybody be positive about it.
1: Yeah, but it feels like everyone's trying to be like John Borman, you know?
0: Oh, because the the Snyder heads, because yeah, Snyder had the Excalibur,
1: and, yeah, and, and all that bullshit. I mean, fucking just do Zardoz. <laughs> like that's fine. For point blank, yeah. Why not talk about point blank? It's one of the
0: best movies ever.
1: Although, at the same time, it's like we're talking about the Snyder Cut. Like, Excalibur, too. Like, that's also a movie where people kind of, like, just forgot about it. And, like, I think, no, that we, Excalibur should kind of have its place in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too weird to discard. Is it just me or, like, maybe, like, this is a stupid thing to say, but, like, all talk of the Justice League just, like, stopped.
0: I, I think I think it did a little bit. Yeah.
1: Like uh people finally got right. what they wanted and they were happy with it, but then it wasn't interesting enough to keep talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I it mean, served c- its purpose and now there's just other things. Like I think it's a best case scenario because it happened. People got it. Snyder could put it behind him now. Yeah. And we move on.
1: I think we're both in agreement that we like that the Snyder cut exists. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also like, with it says a lot that A, now that like the fans don't have that thing to rally around, and B, that Zack Snyder is basically like, I will not do another DC movie. That now we can't endlessly speculate about what will come next. Mm-hmm. That uh, discussion of it has kind of uh, died down a little bit.
0: Um isn't that a good thing. And I'm sure the
1: exact same thing will happen to Marvel at some point.
0: But yeah, I think COVID saved them because otherwise I think they'd be in the same boat. Because people missed like having a communal experience and say what we will about the Marvel stuff, because of like their place in pop culture right now, they're definitely the ones that are like the water cooler talk. You see them the yeah. weekend, you talk to your friends and co-workers about it like the next week or whatever and then you wait for the next one and that didn't happen for a whole year and it was beautiful uh, but then you know the pandemic happened which was not beautiful so
1: yeah they just I mean you know it's it sucks but they've just got this way of like you they, they, they really tap into people's need to be like up to date with what's going on mm-hmm. you know in the in those movies because fuck like people just keep watching them man and talking about them, more importantly. The yeah, Goose the has not is... been in a Marvel film.
0: No, no.
1: I feel like they could get him in somewhere.
0: I think I've said it before, but he would have been- Holy shit, good, he's like... playing
1: Gomez Adams. Wait, what? The Tim Burton, uh, uh, like- Adam's Family TV show. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah,
0: I forgot. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if that's, that's going to be casting. great, but the casting. I don't, real I don't good. think.
1: I don't think it will be good, but uh, that's that's good casting, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's really There's like dueling Adam's Family projects right now.
0: Yeah. What is that?
1: <laughs> why? Why is and, that happening? And no one wants
0: either of them <laughs> no but it's ip so you have to you have to connect to it
1: which is like a weird but the assuming is one of those weird ips where it's like i think we can all agree those movies are like deeply flawed but they're fun yeah
0: and you can't
1: very... recreate it you know mm-hmm. like it's just impossible and of, so of course hollywood's like but what if we recreated it <laughs>
0: All right, I feel us heading into a tailspin. So we should probably We
1: are. We're t I I I apologize.
0: No, no, it's all right. It. We yeah. we did talk about this twice. So I guess heading into final thoughts then.
1: Holy shit, the fucking Adam Family 2 is out. I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm a lie. Sorry, lot.
1: sorry. <laughs> it's all right. We go right back to it. I, I was like totally unaware that it actually came out. I, I've been seeing because like every fucking movie theater has that cardboard cutout where it's like get your picture. With the fucking Adam's family. (laughs) And no. (laughs) And it's out apparently. Mm. They're all in swim gear.
0: Oh, because they're going to go on vacation or something, I guess.
1: They're on vacation. Why not? (laughs) Why not? I don't know. You're just going to go to
0: Hawaii, remember? so
1: Adam's family 2 got a B from CinemaScore.
0: That bad, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i didn't see the first one of the animated ones i mean so did anyone mm, like really enough
1: to get a sequel but yeah. like no one i've met in life
0: yeah not a real human being
1: yeah that's one of those ones where it was like there must have been no other kid movie that month oh i just got a really important message on my phone okay Want a huge hard-on in less than 90 seconds? Jesus Christ. Level up your sex life with the best male enhancement supplement. And then there's a link that I probably shouldn't click.
0: Don't. (laughs) Or do, see what happens. What is
1: spam? (laughs) No, (laughs) fuck Oh, no, I got into a battle with the mattress man.
0: (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. That is that is pretty fucking great. That's how I'm opening the episode. Great. Or at least when we transition to this. Um, Yeah, alright. So the movie's great. I think we can both agree. If it is not still, it was at one point one of our favorite films respectively. Yes. Um, I would still consider it to be one of my favorite films. It fills me with many emotions and It's hard feelings. not
1: to watch it and just be like, this is a great movie yeah like it's it's one that uh you should seek out smarter people
0: <laughs> yeah yeah do that we'll we'll, we'll do we'll, we'll do more acceptable films from now on i guess like eight crazy nights more,
1: yeah more on our level
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and when i say our level i mostly mean my level diego knows what he's talking about more i just i do don't know about I that, that going on.
0: That's not that's not a character. You know more than here. me. I've seen your photography. You know more than fucking I, I do. Yeah, but that is like that's just you just you just point and <laughs> you just press a button. The sky does the rest. People over that's honestly
1: how... a quote. The what? sky does the rest. There's is a movie really? title right
0: there. Okay. It's a fucking movie title, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. If I Fucking put that one in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm putting in my notes. I got I got a list of stuff in my notes.
1: Yeah, the sky does the rest. Get really pretentious and start talking about the magic hour.
0: No. It just, it's just it's <laughs> really pretty, and you take a picture at that time, it's going to look good no matter what it is. That's how it works.
1: I took photography freshman year high school, and I failed. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that you shouldn't really take photography as a freshman because they kind of assume that you can go places to take good pictures. Uh... Someone maybe should have told me that when I signed up for it.
0: (laughs) I've been having these conversations a lot lately. I don't know why, but it really started hitting me that I did not have many art programs available to me for most of my childhood. And the only real access I had to like arts and crafts was like my family and specifically like my mother, because she is also an artist. And so she Mm -hmm. was very encouraging in that department for my entire life. And in school, we learned, like, calligraphy. Every child's (laughs) favorite activity, calligraphy. And, hey, look, I think calligraphy looks cool. (laughs) But I would much rather be doing finger painting when I was, like, five, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: Did I tell him? Did I tell my story about uh, my history with like art classes on here?
0: Uh possibly.
1: But go um, ahead. I can tell course. it real quick. Yeah, yeah, it, do. It. Talk about uh, maybe people that have influenced you negatively in your life. Mm. Um I was I used to really, really love drawing. Um I, I, I've been I've been drawing like, you know, basically since early childhood, I used to draw like little comics and shit like that. I, I really enjoyed it. And I did it all the way up until, I believe uh, seventh grade in, uh, yeah, around seventh grade was when I stopped because I was in a study hall um, and I was drawing instead of uh, doing homework of which I was not a great student. I will give every teacher that, Um, but I was drawing and uh, the study hall teacher was also my math teacher. Uh, noticed I was drawing and decided to humiliate me in front of the entire class by pointing out that I was drawing cartoons instead of uh, doing homework in study hall.
0: I do recall this, and I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, and, your and then I gave, up,
1: I gave up all drawing, and I never draw it again after that until uh, my senior year of high school, um, by which point my skills had... Gone down considerably, and now I and I don't draw, and I wish I had stuck with drawing.
0: You could um, always go back.
1: I, I keep telling myself I should, and I just don't. But yeah, I, I probably should. I think it will make me happier if I could draw. Okay.
0: Yeah, you should. I expect you to start doing all the thumbnails for these now.
1: No, the, don't expect anything. Okay. I mean, like, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, I know. I'm <laughs>
0: just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you, you should. If you get the chance, you should actually. I will say the thing that, it.
1: like, it, that has made had made it difficult for a long time is that it was weird to be like I want to go back to drawing and then I'm like I'm in my 20s and I'm worse than when I drew when I was 12 <laughs> because I just stopped for so long. Mm. Like none of it stuck with me after that. Like I like I I violently rejected drawing after that moment. And uh yeah, that can happen in life.
0: Yeah. A,
1: a lot. Shout out to that teacher whose name I don't remember, which is shocking.
0: They're not worth remembering. That's why.
1: I can see their face to this day, though. Oh, so burn it. That's that's good. Fuck them. Fuck them.
0: Fuck Hollywood. Fuck Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I get. I guess we have to wind down our conversation on a little more serious note now. I guess. Yeah. Uh Take sorry, away Frank. Diego. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, sorry. No, I No, no um, I I don't even know how to like really go into it. Um
1: Yeah, you know, like we, I don't want to come into like we're fucking about to like I don't know. It's I, we're not coming here talking about like the worst thing ever. No, no. Um
0: it's not good. It it was a point of contention I think for us. Uh I, we were both in agreement about it but like just, just learning that Paul Thomas Anderson maybe had some angry proclivities uh, from an earlier age, it, it definitely influenced how we approach this episode. And it's why we've kind of been putting it off and then redoing it and trying to get it right because we wanted to handle the subject matter appropriately. And yeah, you might
1: have noticed uh, we. Uh- we haven't done this happy Amblin series for a while <laughs> that, uh, and then also we have done Sandler films that came out after, uh, punch drunk love. <laughs> um, I believe like, I believe Mr. Deeds is later. Yes. Um, and, and we've done that, uh, because like right in the middle of us recording it, uh, I wanted to get the details right, but it's mis- A lot of it is, uh, unfortunately been kind of scrubbed from the internet which is its own thing um hold on I just want to make sure Mm -hmm. yeah um I guess Fiona Apple was like giving interviews and she talked about her relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson and that it was not good (laughs) um to say the least uh and uh she describes it as a painful and chaotic relationship, which included uh, Paul Thomas Anderson throwing her out of a car, uh, which is uh, not good. And uh, yeah, uh, it 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 makes Punch Drunk Love a little different—a <laughs> movie about a guy who uh, is very bottled up emotionally and then gets uh, violently angry. Um yeah and i believe this it was made in the wake of their relationship uh yeah i don't know i like again like a big part of this being difficult is i really don't even know where to go with it other than it like needs to be addressed and it has like really tainted uh this movie and uh pta's movies it hasn't ruined them i'll say but it's something that like is difficult to reckon with for me personally and it's a little weird that it like and like it's one where i like i don't know if i'm the one thinking about it too much or overreacting because like everyone else seems to have moved on from it and for me it was like i felt like it should have maybe been a bigger deal i i don't really know um but yeah, it's weird that, like, even people I know that, like, will go hard in on, like, fucking, quote-unquote, canceling people for stories like that. Even they, like, made excuses for Paul Thomas Anderson. So maybe I'm the one that's, like, being a little weird. But, uh, yeah, it affected how I, I watched this movie. And it made me really not want to talk about it. And as maybe you could tell uh, listening to this, I, I I didn't really want to talk about it that much.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, um... But I'm grateful uh, that that uh at the very least we we did talk about it. And yeah, if, if, if it sounds like we're having trouble getting like through this episode, it's because we are having trouble getting through this episode. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the subject matter honestly it's, it, it's not something that can be separated in that that weird separate the art from the artist argument. Cause it's it's one, the guy's still around and working, mm-hmm. and it is intrinsically tied to the narrative of the film we're talking about you know there's a correlation there that i think is a little too discomforting
1: yeah it's just like you know it it, when 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 philly apple like specifically cited his anger as the problem it just yeah it it makes this movie stranger (laughs) um and just you know it it's one of these things where you never really know the artists that you maybe admire um and and it's entirely possible it's been almost 20 years from punch drunk love at this point like he's he's maybe a different person and it would be wrong to maybe judge him for all that but i don't know man like I was saying, it's like, I'm not trying to like come down hard one way or the other, but it's all just weird. Uh,
0: it, it We're trying to work it out for ourselves, I think is what we're saying. Yeah. And
1: and like, I, it made me like afterwards we opened with this, the first recording, and then I felt like we we kind of didn't do the movie justice. And I think we, unfortunately, I think we accomplished basically what we accomplished the first time. <laughs> I'm glad to be done with this movie it, where initially part of the reason for doing this series was cause it would have been really fun to do punch drunk love in like the middle of all this other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the weird varied uh, career of Adam Sandler. And it would have been an excuse to do a PTA film, which is something we normally wouldn't do. And then it turned into like this thing where I was dreading having to talk about it. And I just don't, I don't feel qualified if I, if I don't feel qualified talking about the film on like its technical merits, I, I really don't feel talk qualified talking about separating the art from the artist and PTA and his possible, raging temper that he had or maybe still has, we don't know.
0: Yeah, we can really only speak for ourselves and for ourselves, this was a difficult episode to kind of power through. <laughs> Yeah, on, on our own terms, you know. I mean, that's all we can kind of control at this point in time, and that's it, it. It was a bummer. It was it was a big bummer for us to learn, and yeah, not again. Not to also just make it about us because it's obviously a very serious conversation. There are way more qualified people talking about the film, <laughs> this situation, and uh, people's livelihoods. I guess
1: I read a uh, uh, Miranda July's uh, essay. came with the criterion edition and that was really good so maybe check that out
0: (laughs) okay okay
1: yeah
0: um i will check that out i don't have this criterion so it's worth it it looks great you know what else looks great moving on from this discussion yes (laughs) because we are we're just so out of our depth here but it had to be brought up and i will do my best to (laughs) to make it sound decent
1: (laughs) yeah uh sure even though i know i know there are the of the like five people that listen to this two people are looking forward to this episode and i I guess i have to apologize to them (laughs) uh yeah i wish i wish we were here uh i wish i could uh be happier talking about this movie frankly um Yeah. Uh, I guess let's let's all get excited about licorice pizza.
0: Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Not even the next episode of Happy Amblin.
1: Um, oh of course not, because the next episode of Happy Amblin is eight crazy nights.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's some for the people that stuck around, here's some background. So we did eight crazy nights the week before recording this segment again. Um, I genuinely don't know what was more painful for listeners, at least. Mm-hmm. At least when it comes to uh, listening to we us talk to about it. We got to excise
1: some demons with Eight Crazy Nights, at least.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's an important step in uh,
1: the Sandler evolution because it's his first totally hateful film.
0: <laughs> Spoilers. Well, it's his first outright, like, disaster. <laughs> yes like from top to bottom top
1: to bottom like not yeah it's uh i think people have fun if you enjoy listening to us suffer
0: yeah yeah there you go it's like that or rise of skywalker but anyways matt thanks really (laughs) thank you for helping power through this one because this was a this was a weirder one for us
1: yeah thanks for uh indulging my uh want to uh re-record I initially wanted to redo the whole episode, to be honest, but Diego you know, talked me into just doing the Punch Drunk Love part.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, uh, I think I think we got good stuff in the color purple.
1: Yeah, which also we were like super out of our depth on. It just gave the whole episode a
0: really weird feel. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're here now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Matt, where can the people find you?
1: I'm at Emperor OTN at one at twitter.com and, and you like can post up a letterbox if you want to read uh really if you want reviews of the caliber of this episode. No no
0: there's good stuff there. check out my letter. Yeah. Yeah. I like your universal monster stuff. Um yeah I can only talk about
1: fucking monster movies from before 1955. Well there like, you go. That's, that's it. Yeah. Want to hear want to hear about how uh, *It* *Terror from Beyond Space* is better than *Alien* *Covenant*? Follow oh me God. on Letterbox.
0: And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get early access to the other less painful retrospective episodes and uh, other other stuff too. Where this is, I'm going to be honest. This is coming out after Halloween season, so I delayed the already delayed return of Happy Amblin. <laughs> But uh, only because Matt and I have a lot to talk about in October still. So too bad, people. Yeah, got also, because something happens in November, so this will just fill out November for a little bit too.
1: When's when are the Matrix movies? December. Okay. Yeah, what is coming out in November? Nothing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Everything's coming out in October and December. I don't know what the fuck that's about.
1: I think there should at least be a Thanksgiving film.
0: Eternals. But I'm not watching. Oh, I guess Eternals. Yeah, sorry. I'm not watching in theaters, at least. Sorry, everyone.
1: Okay. I I totally get it. Yeah. I literally go because it'll get certain people in my life.
0: We have positivity out on the horizon, hopefully.
1: Oh, 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 hey. You know what comes out in November? No. That's one licorice pizza. Oh, my God. But two, more importantly, the movie everyone's talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife.
0: Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. <laughs> we have been professionally unprofessional.